Hello everyone and welcome to the latest instalment of the Register podcast from J-League Register. My name is Stuart Smith and I'm very, very happy to be joined on the podcast this week by Scott McIntyre. Scott, how are you doing? Good evening, very good, thank you. Good, good, good. So, um, we're going to get straight into things and first of all, we're going to look at um, the World Cup qualifier from last week. Japan versus Australia. Um, Scott, you were there. I watched the game on TV. Um, first of all, when you saw the Japan lineup, were you slightly surprised that there was no um, Keisuke Honda, Shinji Kagawa, uh, Genki Haraguchi in the starting lineup? Um, was that something you expected or was that a surprise for you? Uh, the first two, no, but uh, Haraguchi, perhaps, yes. Um, I think, yeah, there'd probably been a few uh, indications uh, leaking out from, from the way that they'd been uh, training during the weekend. Um, and anyway, I think generally we've seen in, in, in matches past in this campaign that probably for for most, uh, how we say, maybe casual observers of Japanese football that, that you expect the likes of Honda, Kagawa, and, and probably Shinji Okazaki as well to be locked on names in the in the side, but I don't think that's been the way under the recent games with with Hull Hostage. And I, I don't think you can consider uh, probably any of that trio really a uh, first team players for Japan uh, anymore. Although you know the the uh, the crazy uh, man in charge has shown a tendency to to mix and match his lineups uh, dependent on the opponent. I've got to give him credit here because I think he got it exactly. Uh, right uh, in a way. I mean, Australia ha- has moved to to playing a, a system with three uh, central defenders and wing backs, uh, mm-hmm. both of whom are, are probably playing in uncomfortable positions. I think, and uh, and he deliberately uh, attacked those players by putting in uh, very uh, faster players, creative, technical players. I heard you. I uh, maybe was listening to the podcast last time round because I heard you were talking about uh, putting in Nui in there. So oh. he's gone ahead and 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 done that. And then Asano on the other side, not just. Uh, you know some of the the more direct and certainly the fastest footballers in Japan, but they're probably some of the fastest humans uh, in Japan as well. So, and, and it worked, and they they terrorised Australia, particularly down uh, the the left hand side of Australia where the goal came from. And you could say, okay, maybe for Osana wasn't there, and how quick he is, he wouldn't have even been in a position to get to that ball to to score the opening goal. So, I think yeah, for all the criticism that. That he's copped, and we don't know if he's going to be in place or not. The, again, I heard you discussing with John last week: was he going to be sacked uh, if they had have lost? And not only uh, had they lost, if they had have drawn that game, he would have been sacked absolutely, and uh, and replaced by Makoto Teguramori, which is probably uh, an even worse uh, a situation. And and he's just waiting in the wings. So uh, I, I don't think uh, you know who knows now this far out from uh, from the campaign uh, if indeed he is going to be in charge when we get there but heaven help us if it's going to be Teguro Mori instead but yeah winding right back to the start of the question um, there, there were some surprises in the lineup but not many I mean uh, you look at a player like uh, Itaguchi for example who who has done okay at, at Gamba this year, but uh, has really come on in these last two games in Japan. He was outstanding against the, the Saudis as well and uh, you know maybe now you're looking at the, the next generation and, and given the pressure that uh, that Halil Hosdich was under where, you know, I mean, the, the senior players, if you believe the stories, had had come close. I think he used the word almost uh, betraying him at, at some point. So 
I think what you'll see now is a gradual phasing out of those players, and now he's he's got the license to get rid of the the players that he felt were undermining him. Uh, certainly, the players that are the darling uh, of the media and the media he felt have been undermining him. So I think you'll see more and more, we could say, experimentation. You know, I mean, there's the squad before this one where he's plucked a, a guy that nobody's ever heard of out of Bulgaria. So maybe we'll see more and more of these uh, kind of names, younger uh, players that he can trust and and have full faith in. Yeah, I think <clears throat> there were a few kind of nervous faces when um, on TV before the game in the tunnel, Teguro Mori was giving everyone the high fives. And uh, yeah, I certainly looked at that and thought, oh, I'm not, not really sure about this. Um, one thing I just wanted to ask you about, I'm a, uh, I'm a fan of players who do a lot of dirty and kind of unheralded work. And I just wanted to get your view on Yuya Osako. He's not your typical kind of, Japanese striker because I think against Australia he did a lot of good stuff and a lot of kind of the the unseen work that needs to be done by a lone forward as in kind of pressuring and occupying defenders holding up uh, the ball and trying to bring others um, uh, other more uh, creative players like Asano like Inui into the game um, watching the game live did, um, did he have a, um, a, a a good influence on the game. Do you, uh, were you impressed by the way he played? Uh, in, in individually, yes. In in the the aspects and the the elements that you said, but but we have to look at it in the context of what's the way that uh, Japan played in this game, uh, and, and certainly they played the same way against Australia in, in the uh, in the away league down in Melbourne uh, earlier in the campaign. And you have to imagine. Uh, that going forward, it's also going to be the way they play, where where they're happy to sit back, uh, a seed possession, and and basically wait and play on the counter. I think Australia had something crazy, like it was almost sixty five percent possession in this game. We forget that. I mean, Japan won, but but they didn't dominate uh, the game, and certainly they didn't do that in terms of holding the ball, possessing the ball, and creating the pressure that way. So, is this the new way that we're going to see Japan playing? If if I was a or I do like to see the team do well, but you know, if I was a Japanese fan, I wouldn't be totally thrilled, to be honest, about the way that they're playing because then it changes the roles of, of all those players that you said. I mean, uh, the creativity in many ways goes out of the team because you're waiting to strike uh, on the break, so you have to have the, the fast wings, and then when you're without possession, you have to do a lot of lateral work as well, which we saw Osaka do. So the, the players across the front three are literally shuffling from side to side so you can keep the ball moving from, from one side to the other, keep the Australians uh, moving around, guessing and, and against uh, an opponent that maybe is technically not as good as you are as well, waiting for those mistakes and moments to pounce. So in that system, it requires different uh, tactical uh, application from those uh, kind of plays. And it's certainly not, you know, as a fan of the team, the kind of application that I would like to see. I, I think a, a team such as Japan, possessing the technical qualities that they do, should always be looking to go out and dominate uh, games, uh, a hold possession and, and create the chances that way rather than, than sitting and waiting and, and striking on the counter. It doesn't seem to me to be a fit for the players that they have one and and two the mentality of how Japanese football has, has been played in recent times so yeah the players did their role that they were asked to do uh, within that system but it's not personally the way that I would like to see them play oh interesting so <clears throat> after the Australia game obviously Japan went to Saudi Arabia and were beaten 1-0 and obviously that meant Saudi Arabia went through as well in Australia into the playoff just looking forward a bit um, what do you, th uh, this is a pretty rough question. I apologize in advance, but what do you think, um, Japan can do 
in Russia next year. A lot of it will depend on the group that they're drawing in, but they're going to, uh, apparently they're going to go away and have a couple of high profile friendlies uh, in Europe this autumn in try and get used to playing higher level of opposition uh, more frequently. Um, are you overall positive? Are you bullish? Are you kind of indifferent to their, to their chances in Russia next year? How do you see uh, Japan faring? Well, I think, yeah, the one, the one thing that we know is that they're going to have uh, an outstanding preparation and, uh, and, and indeed a far greater preparation probably than most other nations uh, in the tournament, not just most other Asian nations. You compare them to, say, a country like Iran, which is an amazing story that they've been able to qualify given the, the obstacles that have been put in, in their way. I mean, the clubs refuse to release uh, players. They can't have camps. The FA won't arrange games, all, all these kind of things. But you compare that to a Japan. Or last time, I mean, they went where to, to Belgium and the Netherlands and they played uh, elite opposition and then went to Brazil and probably didn't do what they needed to do. So you can have all the preparation you want. Uh, you probably want to mix it up. I mean, you don't want to be going to, to Europe uh, every window and playing the same kind of uh, nations. You know, it may be worth um, getting them totally out of their comfort zone and, and going to Africa. You've got a chance to play an Africa. African nation, you know, depending on how those qualifiers are, are placed and who you think is going to get through and so on. But uh, th- there'll be no excuses from that the aspect that they will have a fantastic preparation and, and you know they will. But uh, the questions are remaining. I'm still not convinced at all that Halil Hozic is going to be the guy that takes them there. So if, if that is to be the case, then when does that uh, happen and what needs to be the triggers for it to happen? I, I still firmly believe that the JFA uh, has been waiting uh to sack him for for a long time. Indeed, almost every match uh, over the past four or five matches of the campaign, it's my understanding that should the results have not gone their way, that he mm. would have been sacked. So, so I, I still think it's a very strong possibility that we won't even see him there. So in, in that regard, then, how will they play? How will they go? Who knows? Because uh, you can say, I, I think he's shown his hand in these games against Australia, which were probably uh, the, the toughest opponent in the group, uh, generally, I think. And uh, and in both those occasions, both home and away, he played what I would consider conservative, uh, negative football. He did it tactically well, and the players applied themselves to the to the structures that they were asked to do and, and got the results that they needed. But, uh, but it's not the way that I would like to see Japan play the World Cup. I think uh, if uh, Halu Hozic is in charge, that is likely how they will play. Uh, if uh, Teguro Mori is, is in place, I'm sure the people up in Sendai are probably still sleeping through uh, some of those uh, four or five years now. So when they wake from their slumber, they might not be uh, too impressed to see him in charge either. So uh, is it him or, or do they really go all out and say, OK, we're here now, let's, uh, let's take a punt and, and get a big name uh, from abroad or even uh, indeed a big name uh, in Japan. You, I think I've spoken to you before that I'm an unavowed uh, fan of Mr. Kazama. I mean, just imagine if he was in charge of the national team. That would be a holy dolly. That would be a a wild old ride. But uh, yeah, until we know who's going to be leading them there, we don't know how how they're going to fare. But uh, in, in terms of Will they have the preparation? Yes, they will. Do they have the players? Yes, they do. Uh, then it comes down to to the mentality, which we've often spoken about with uh, Japanese teams of all uh, persuasions and, and ages at, at international tournaments and uh, and the group. And, and we have to wait and see how that all unfolds. Yes, we will. And I'm pretty sure it's a storyline we'll uh, revisit sometime closer to the World Cup uh, in Russia next year. Um <clears throat> Having said that, uh, J1 is back on the uh, back on the agenda for this weekend on uh, Saturday. I think all the games are this week. Um, just to kind of flesh out J1 um, a bit, uh, Scott. At the top, 
Um, we have the usual suspect in uh, Kashima Antlers. They're currently top at the minute. And then second and third place, we've got Yokohama F. Marinos and Kawasaki, who play each other this weekend, which should be good in the uh, Kanagawa Derby. Um, Kashima Antlers are up there again, Scott. It's no, um, no, probably no surprise to see them there. Is it... Um, are they the favourites for the title, judging from what you've seen uh, thus far? I mean, you have to say yes because they've got a five-point gap with ten games to go, so it's a it's a sizable advantage to have at this point in time. But uh, I mean, I don't think there's been a there hasn't been a standout club this year in in my opinion. I've watched pretty much uh, all of the games, and uh, certainly Kashima started slowly when they made the the change of coach and brought uh, Oiwa in. They they went on that crazy run of whatever it was, eight or nine. Uh, Games without a loss and uh, mm. and have done so impressively, but they haven't. They, they still haven't convinced in one sense in the, the in the sense that they're a side that you know no matter who they match up against, bar say four or five clubs, you can still see them tripping up. Uh, in a way, I mean, if you look at it, I think they've lost uh, what is it? So they've lost six uh, games. They've only they've only one draw all year. So they've either been uh, uh, losing or uh, or winning uh, on that run, and and that of course uh, can easily uh, turn as well. And there's uh, you could say even maybe three, four, five clubs are underneath them that have the ability to go on some kind of run and and haul them in. Uh, but uh, in yeah, in what's uh, a, a close thing, you think maybe the five point advantage uh, that they have at the moment will see them as favourites. But I don't think they've been particularly convincing. You've had the goalkeeping situation where you had the Korean Kwon uh, uh, come in. Uh, take Sogahata's place, uh, start, uh, then get injured, then Sogahata's come back in. Uh, you've seen uh, the kind of constant movement of players uh, in central. The midfield, Ogasawara is in and out. Uh, young uh, Misao Kenta's come in and done a good job uh, sitting in there. Leo Silva's been in and out of the team. There's been shuffling uh, around the front. Uh, Pedro Junior's out for the year, which has been a blow, but has been well covered. Um, the one uh, mystery for me with uh, Kashima is, is a guy that I personally would have in the Japan setup. Uh, but can't get a start uh, for Kashima because he's a he's, he's a different kind of uh, striker to uh, I think any uh, player that Japan has either uh, here domestically in the J League or uh, even overseas, and that's uh, Yuma Suzuki, mm. the kind of the kind of player that would uh, that would knock uh, his grandmother off her chair to to go and score a goal. He's a very unusual uh, Japanese player in the sense that you know he really wants i mean he has this burning desire and passion to score which you don't see in in a lot of japanese strikers young uh, old or, or or otherwise and you see every single match he's nearly coming off the bench and scoring for kashima the international audiences saw what he could do uh, last year when he really impressed in the in the club world cup he's done it uh, consistently uh, throughout the asian champions league uh, as well this guy this guy's a bona fide star i mean i think if he's at any other the team in the league is a regular starter and almost certainly the golden boot winner. So uh, it, it says a lot about the the, the strength that in certain positions that uh, that Antlers have that this guy can't even crack uh, the starting lineup. There's another young winger that we've seen, uh, uh, Arbe, that's come on in the second half of the season as well, a fantastic uh, a young player. So they've got a lot of players coming through the system. But yeah, if I was any other uh, J-League club, uh, an ambitious one looking to, to take the title in the next couple of years, I'd certainly be uh, making a call to Mr. Suzuki and seeing if he fancied a starting spot somewhere. Yeah, he always looks, uh, to me, he always looks furious when he's on the pitch. He's, he's got that kind of, um, I'm going to do it today and I'm not going to let anyone get in my way. And exactly. I think, And I think when... Um, 
when you look at Kashima's kind of options up front, I mean, you've got Leandro, who's come in and, and scored a few goals. Obviously, Mu Kanazaki, Sean Madoi is floating about there and uh, there and thereabouts. They've got um, quite the quite the attacking riches there. Um, so, yeah, but I agree with Yuma Suzuki. He's uh, very different from um, most other kind of, the, the template of Japanese strikers, shall we say. Who would you rather? I mean, he's, he's called... That's what I understand, right? He's, so he called Kenyu Sugimoto into this Japan squad ahead of... So, okay, I know he's scored goals, but the, but for me, he's, he's he's a good player. He's a good J-League player, but but he's no more than that. I mean, it's not the... You can't see Kenyu Sugimoto, I don't think, going to Europe and succeeding, but I can see that with Suzuki because he has something different uh, about him, so... Yeah, yeah I think um, that's that's a... It's a good question, actually. It's a good, uh, it's a, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good thing to think about because Sugimoto is he kind of reminds me a little bit more stylistically of Osako in in that kind of way. But like you said before, Yuma Suzuki is just something different. Like there's, he's he's more like he's more physical than fluid. If 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 you get my meaning, I think um, he would. Uh, yeah, I think he would start, and I think he would play for for most other uh, for most other J League sides. It's just at the moment, yeah, he's just he can't seem to crack that Kashima um, Kashima starting lineup on a regular basis. But at the same time, like you're probably not going to drop Mu Kanazaki. I mean, he's almost guaranteed goals whenever he's on the pitch. And like I said, we've got Leandro, Shomadoi, Abe on the um, on on the wing. Yeah, you've got yeah, you've got quite the uh quite the selection to choose from there. Um but yeah, they're um I think they're five points clear at the top. They're five points clear of Marinos. And there's a chasing group um behind Kashima. Yokohama F Marinos are on forty seven, Kawasaki are on forty six, Kashira are on forty six, and Seretso, who've done really well this year uh, so far, are on forty five. Scott, out of those teams, who's kind of impressed you the most this year? Uh, different different teams at different times and, and for different reasons, to be honest. I, I've been a really big fan of, of what's been happening at Marinos, uh, not just this year, but for the last couple of years, because it's been a, a, a really careful, uh, careful, detailed process to get to the point where I don't think we're quite at the end point of where it's going to uh, end up. I think it's going to get a lot better for them. So... I mean, he's gradually been um, changing the, the the foreign players, bringing in different styles of players. Probably still hasn't answered the question of uh, of who's the number nine uh, for the club. He's been pruning uh, the veterans uh, from the club very painfully. I mean, in many cases, because you know he had a guy like Nakamura who's there for a long time and very much uh, woven into the fabric of the club, but. They needed to move uh, from that, and you, you've seen uh, Jun Amano step into that number ten role um, this season and, and do fantastically well. Uh, not only from open play, but he's also taken a lot of the corners, the free kicks uh, that that Nakamura was taking as well. And you, you've got a real balance now in in central midfield. He's taken a guy like uh, Ogihara, who um, has, has had a career of of great potential, but never really that potential has been tapped into. But it has in the, in the last couple of months. It, at Marinos, you've got uh, Endeavor Martinos, uh, the Curacao International, is one of my favourite players in the league. A, a fantastic player. He can play left, he can play right, he can play uh, centrally, and he's always going to give you uh, consistent uh, performances. And defensively, they're very solid as well. I think Degenek has done a very good job uh, alongside Yuji Nakazawa. And again, we talk about 
players uh, that uh, should be in the Japan setup. I know it's not logic to suggest a 39-year-old central defender should be, but for me, he's been the best uh, defender, the best Japanese defender. I'm a big fan uh, of Yonich at the Storezo. But the best uh, Japanese defender, I think, by a considerable margin uh, in the league. And, and certainly, if you're picking players on form, uh, he deserves to be there. He's never going to get picked, of course. But uh, And they've got depth, um, versatility uh, in the squad as well, and uh, and real exciting uh, youth. You know, guys like... Uh, like Keta Endor, we've seen uh, in the Japan squad, and, and even younger guys uh, than that that are that are involved in other uh, age group uh, national teams for Japan. So this is a, a really careful process of what Monberts has been going through, and it's the kind of thing that's not evident um, to a lot of fans. I've even heard a lot of Yokohama fans that you know weren't happy with the changes that were being made. They weren't happy with Monberts. Uh, but I, I think uh, I think he's a fantastic coach, and he and he's got a real uh, method to what he's doing. And it, it may be a little bit too soon this year, but I think what he's done is he's positioned the club to not just be challengers uh, this year or next year, but to be challengers consistently for for the next four or five years. And that should be the aim of uh, of every club clubs that have uh, an identity. And as you know, I'm a big fan of uh, Frontale, who uh, who are a pointer behind them. Uh, you've seen a. The, the the essence of what was created under Kazama is still there and and largely that's because a lot of the players uh, that are still there and again we talk about players that should be in the Japan team I mean Kengo Nakamura has just been uh, continuing to get better and better the older um, that he gets but but they've they've added uh, I guess you could say maybe a more um, responsible approach uh, to to the way that mm. they look to manage uh, matches whereas under Kazama as we're seeing now in uh, Nagoya beautifully and uh, eloquently they're just uh, continuing to turn on the burners at no matter what point of the game but under Oniki of course was there the whole time under Kazama as an assistant uh, he's come in and he's given them yeah a, a little bit uh, uh, less flexibility in, in the in the gung-ho approach once they are in front they're not sitting and and you know trying to manage out results with 10 men behind the ball either but they're, they're not necessarily pushing on as much as you you have seen them in the past and that's put them in a fantastic position to, to mesh the best the elements of the team and I think not only are they a, a chance to do well in the J League I think they're a really good chance to win the Asian Champions League actually because they have uh, they have finishers uh, they have creators they have uh, steel uh, in midfield with uh, Eduardo Neto is a fantastic player and they have class with uh, Oshima uh, next to him they have exciting uh, attack minded uh, fullbacks and uh, and a good solid cast of of defenders they're also one of these clubs uh, i think there's three or four of them now in in j1 that have for some reason overdone their foreign quota so you know mm. every week uh, there's there's a brazilian i mean in in frontale's case it's it's been a high now mostly the the winger who's been missing out so just shows yeah the the depth that they have at the squad and i, I think they're a really good chance to do well i mean they're still alive i think in all four competitions right they're alive in the levan cup the the emperor's cup by uh, the acl and uh and the league i think this is the year that that they will get some silverware and it could even be uh, multiple versions of it. Um, you kind of read my mind because I was going to ask you about their, their ACL hopes. Assuming, and it's never great to assume uh, given Japanese clubs, but assuming they get past Reds in the quarterfinal, they'll face either Guangzhou or probably Shanghai. Um, I yeah, think in the... that's first leg lead. I think it's yeah. going to be Shanghai. <laughs> um, what makes you think that they can take on um, the the Chinese clubs? Um, are, are they are, are Kawasaki different from the other J League clubs that have been involved this year? Is there some kind of like um, is is there a special reason why um, they're equipped to go further in the Asian Champions League than the other Japanese clubs? 
I, th- I think they, they have a, a heartbeat that, that the others don't, and that heartbeat is uh, 36 or 37 years old because Kengo Nakamura has just been uh, in in career-best form the last two, three years. Uh, this year, uh, especially, I'm sure we'll come on to FC Tokyo at, at some point, but you know the expectation was that uh, someone like uh, Yoshida Okubo was just going to come to Tokyo and continue to do what he'd done uh, so well at Frontale, but you see starkly the difference is that he he's not doing what he did because he doesn't have the player in behind him you can say players in in other uh, senses but 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 what Kengo Nakamura brings to that team is uh is the work of uh, five uh, five people i mean his 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 range of passing his his vision uh, and his accuracy in those passes have have been i think close to some of the best uh, consistent individual performances uh, match after match week after week rarely does it dip uh, rarely does it dip from minute one to minute uh, 90 that we've seen in the history of the j-league I, I think what he's doing really this year and, and last year in particular uh, have been up there as, as some of the finest uh, individual displays and when you've got him just sitting there uh, with the ability and and the time uh, and the space to create um, for those other players and he's bringing uh, he's elevating uh, players to levels that they probably shouldn't be at i mean a, a guy like uh, Albert who who came bounced around other clubs uh, was a good player but uh, never a spectacular player and he looks uh, now that you know i mean he could be in the japan squad and and, and doing well because because he's been made to look that way. It gives um, a young player like uh, Oshima behind him uh, confidence to, to push forward and create uh, as well. And, and he also knows that he has a, a, a big angry shield in Neto behind him. He has uh, Kobayashi who can play centrally, who can play uh, on the wing. And he has El Sinio pushing up uh, one side and the Borizato and these guys on the other side. Um, there's maybe still questions in, in central defense, although I think Eduardo has, uh, has really started to come on and done well, although we've seen Nara probably take his place in the last couple of weeks too. And, and during the Korean goalkeeper has been mm-hmm. uh, fairly solid. So, I mean, they have a side with uh, very few holes in it. So you say, okay, they don't have the attacking riches in terms of the one or two uh, individuals that, uh, that Shanghai have or, or you know, potentially uh, one of the nations that they'll meet uh, should they progress to the final when they, they play one of the West Asian nations. But uh, I, I think with, with Kengo there, as long as he's uh, fit, then it's a it, it's a linchpin that, that nobody else, uh, I don't think in Japan and, and probably not uh, in Asia except uh, uh, Omar Abdul Rahman uh, has. I think he's really that good. And, you know, AFC hand out these awards for the domestic uh, a player of uh, the the year throughout Asia, and, and I tell you, I reckon Kengo Nakamura is going to be way up there in that discussion uh, come November. Well, he's not going to be far off because he's had, like you said, an <clears throat> excellent season uh, thus far. Um, Scott, take a deep breath because we're going to move on to FC Tokyo. You mentioned mm-hmm. um, you mentioned them there in passing with Yoshito Okubo. Um, it's fair to say that it hasn't gone as planned this year uh, for FC Tokyo. They brought in a lot of uh, high-profile players. They brought in Okubo, Takahagi, Kosuke Ota came in, um, Akihiro Hayashi, the goalkeeper. Um, I'm sure Peter Utaka. I'm sure there's some others that, that I've missed as well. Um, but it just hasn't, it just hasn't clicked. Why? Um... Yeah, it's a long, it's a long uh, and deep discussion. But I think the, 
uh, I, mean, I don't know where do we go where do we start I, I think what the essence of it is is, is that the club is run uh, uh, such as they are which is uh, an arm of uh, of a Japanese corporation uh, they're run as, uh, as as one division of of the gas company uh, mm. that that they're uh, controlled by and 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 you have uh, people in charge that want to run it like a business and 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 they make uh, appointments for obscure uh, reasons i mean uh, should never in my opinion have have appointed this guy uh, Shinoda last year and and very early into his uh, tenure within a month or so uh, there was a match against uh, Urawa that they played at home i remember and we were out of the running for the title we were not going to get relegated it was just a match against Urawa and we 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 went uh, into a lead and and then he made defensive changes and and tried to hold on to the result and it's that kind of thing that I always say that not only we talk about national football representing the characters of the nation, if you say, but certainly um, club football, you should see clubs being uh, have a little bit of the character and, and the spirit of the place where you're from. So I can understand uh, if you have uh, Mr. Figadenti in Tulsa and you want to play this way or you have uh, various managers at, uh, at, at Sendai, these are regional uh, places that want to play battling, uh, organised uh, football. It's hard to break down where you take what you can from set pieces and counters. But, but Tokyo is not this kind of city. It's not, the, it's not mm. this kind of a place. It should be a place that plays uh, vibrant, uh, up-tempo uh, attacking football. And in my opinion, you should have been sacked immediately following that Urawa game, given the way that he tactically uh, approached that. And, uh, and, and I think since then, uh, we've, we've seen enough evidence to suggest that tactically he's out of his depth uh, at, at this level. He started uh, with one system, it didn't work. He's moved to another system, it didn't work. And, and you have uh, the bizarre situation of signing uh, Peter Utaka. For, for me, it's a player, one, he came very late, uh, and mm. two, he came on loan. I mean, this is, again, it's not, you know, with all due respect, it's not FC Gifu, right? It was a, a, a modest uh, second-tier club taking what plays you can. This is uh, the only uh, club in the top flight uh, of the city. That's the world's largest city. It's, I mean, so, yeah. so, so you're telling me that that in the entire how many how many people in the world was it? Uh, Ten billion people. Uh, Seven or eight. Okay, seven. so half. So let's say half of them are guys. Let's say another half of those are, or or a third are football. So we're talking like what one or two a billion uh, eligible footballers that could conceivably play for FC Tokyo, and 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 this club, all that they could do is find a lone player that was already in the country. I mean, it's 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 insanity. Uh, and 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 it, and it speaks to everything that's wrong with it. not just uh, this club, but I, I keep giving credit to Niigata because they're they're the one um, club that seems to not just uh, tap into the cabal of agents that deal with uh, with certain regions and countries, and and they bring in players that are different. I mean, even okay, this year it maybe hasn't worked out as well as we've seen in season past, but I think the the guy that they got, the Honni, the Ronnie, the yeah, the attacking yeah. player, he's been criminally under, underused. We can talk about Niigata in a minute. Again, the FC Tokyo connection, the former manager there. They're a disastrous uh, team under under Wagner Lopez, and, and he's being yeah horribly misused as a left winger. But I think if he was uh, playing centrally and, and with someone to play off, I, I think you'd see his real talents. He's a fantastic player. And they're, they're the kind of club that uh, that consistently bring these kind of players and see them year after year get plucked off, mind you, by by other uh, teams. So, so why you tell me why FC Tokyo can't do it, right? It's a total lack of any kind of creativity. They had they had Nathan Burns there, who was an Asian Cup winner uh, with Australia, the best player uh, in the A-League the year that he came. And he 
spent his virtually his entire Tokyo career playing under 23s. He brought another guy in from Korea, Yuin, so a young player who spent his entire uh, time playing tw- uh, under 23s. We just recently brought in this guy, Lipe Veloso. I don't know if he's a real person or a made-up person, but uh, <laughs> apparently he was a friend of uh, Lucas, the former striker, or a family member or someone, right? And so, and so Lucas has called the club and they've just gone and signed this Muppet off the streets. <laughs> I mean, what honestly? What is going on with the club? Really, that and I keep saying it, it comes back again to the to the fans and the supporters because every time I go to the game, I'm very close to getting into actual physical disputes with fans because the fans are sitting there and 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 singing the name of the coach, uh, you know, Shinoda Tokyo, and so well, what are you talking about? I mean, you, there's there's a point where you know blind uh, faith uh, crosses uh, you know irrationality and. And, and you need to look at, at now substantial evidence of what's going on. Anyway, it's my understanding that he's gone at the end of the year, thankfully, and, and that there will be a foreign um, a coach brought in. So hopefully, uh, yeah, that can come uh, you know sooner even than that point. Because it's not inconceivable that you know they could fall totally off the radar. I mean, it's 13 points of the gap down to the to the drop zone, but with 10 matches to go, who knows? I mean, it's can I see Tokyo losing eight of their last 10 games? Absolutely, I can. So... So who who knows with it, really any of that mix of the the teams that are in the middle of the table? I mean, you look from anywhere at Tosu uh, in ninth and thirty four points, all the way down to Omiya, who occupy the top of the the relegation spots on twenty. You can see any of those clubs really. I mean, Kobe, yeah, you can see them getting dragged down. Sendai, absolutely. Shimizu, you can. Uh, Sapporo, you can. Corfu, almost certainly you can. And 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 you look at the clubs at the bottom that made changes uh, at the right point. Uh, of the season we saw it with Nagoya last year where if you know if the change uh, at that point had been made even you know a game or two earlier maybe they would have uh, been mm. safe Hiroshima brought in this guy uh, Jonsson who's quite a quirky character by by the looks of his uh, post-match uh, uh, interviews and it was looking a bit ordinary for the first game or two but he's got them playing uh, now positively so you know coming and trying to attack him is if you want to fight your way out of trouble you can do what Hiroshima are doing come and play positively and look mm-hmm. to score goals and even if you can see you're going to win a few games here or there or you can do uh, what and Niigata did and I thought Niigata were actually very impressive and indeed one of the more impressive teams over the first couple of months of the season I know the results weren't there uh, under um they went from one former FC Tokyo player to another, actually. started out with uh, Miura. And, mm. and he had them playing upbeat, uh, vibrant, lively attacking football. The results weren't coming, but you could see this, the, the structures were there. And, and, you know, they were unlucky in a few games. And I think if they had a persistent, they would have finished mid-table mm. under him. Instead, they've got Wagner Lopez in. And he came and, and uh, like, uh, literally, like, laid uh, bricks from all the way from Brazil to Niigata, trying to, to build a defensive wall. And... and and such a mentality that that the players are totally shot with confidence. So as soon as they concede mm. a goal, they can hang grimly on for dear life to 55, 60, 65 minutes. But as soon as they concede, uh, the whole thing is up. There's no way they're going to fight back into games. And you can see it in the mentality that the players are actually physically devastated when they're conceding because so much effort and, and energy and direction has gone into that one goal uh, almost to the to the exclusion of any kind of uh, creativity at all i mean even limited work on the counters and then so the, yeah the way that they're playing is uh, is horrible and it's again it's a case of the supporters are uh, really needed to stand up again after a month of what uh, lopez has done if the club had football people in place that that could see what was happening. Either they they needed to tap him on the shoulder and say, "Look, we don't want to play this way," or mm. "Thanks, thanks for your services. Uh, we'll see you later." 
because it's not working. And I mean, the certainty is to get relegated now because mm. now now he's trying to confuse them by being a little opening games. The players don't well, like, you tell me to do this and now this and this. I mean, they're, they're going down. Absolutely, they're going down unless. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I still thought that they may have been tempted to make a change, you know, in, in this break and, and see if they couldn't have uh, wriggled their way out. But uh, the way he's got them playing is, uh, is just hopeless. So you scratch them off the list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then uh, the other two relegation spots, yeah, I think are really, uh, are really open for debate. So <clears throat> you mentioned it just there with Jan Jonsson at uh, San Frecce. Uh, like playing expansive and attacking football while you're down at the bottom is not the easiest thing to go about and do is it really no like, but it's but it's the only thing you can do yeah i think how but, but my question like how do you kind of instill that into your team how like if you're kind of just focused on getting as as many kind of what's the, what's the word i'm looking for kind of rough points as possible it doesn't matter how you play as long as you start to to get points how like, how easy is it to explain to players, look, don't worry about making mistakes, just go out there and, and play and and attack as, as, uh, like, as technically proficiently as possible? Well, I mean, he, he, he made a big decision when he came in because Hiroshima for the longest time had played uh, uh, that very... Again, I want to call it negative, basically system where they had the three central defenders, they had the two deep lying uh, central midfielders, and 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 the two wide midfielders, not wingers, uh, not fullbacks, just almost wide uh, central uh, midfielders. Uh, one of which, Mikic, of course, has been out for a long a time, and and they played this the, exactly the same way for six years under uh, Moriasu, where the ball would uh, interminably recycle itself between the three centre backs and the two midfielders. Occasionally, would push out wide, and and it was almost like they would bore teams to death by a thousand cuts. I mean, it's still uh, miraculous for me that that they had so much success that they did. Because uh, why you can't come up with a with a side, I don't know. I mean, like Kazama tried it at Kawasaki, and there were a few other examples of it. But but those kind of sides should have been more successful. I mean, if you hope, if you want to see positive football, because I don't think what Hiroshima were doing all that time was positive at all. It was uh, it was largely conservative and and negative and just boring teams to death. And then they win. I mean, how many games over that spell of time when they had all that success? Can you remember Hiroshima beating teams by two or three uh, or more goals? It almost never happened. They they're literally boring teams uh, to tears and 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 go- goading them into into trying to come forward and leave space and then uh, brutally uh, exposing that. So uh, you know, fair, fair credit if uh, if if that's the kind of football you like. I personally don't. Um, but what he did is he came in and immediately did away with it and and went to to four defenders at the back. He's playing players out of position. I bought uh, Daiki uh, Niwa in and he's playing him as a right fullback. It looks rather awkward. They're playing a left-sided midfielder at left back in in Soya Takahashi. But they have uh, they have attacking players uh, in the team that mm. pr- probably hadn't been able to show those capabilities under what Moriasa had them doing. So I think those players just naturally feel liberated that he's giving them the, the capabilities to be more expressive. But naturally, it's a process where it takes time, particularly with the the crucial kind of key guys, uh, Aoyama, especially the captain in, in midfield, who'd been so used to playing one way, where your first instinct is not to get the ball and look up and go forward. It's to get the ball and look up and go either backwards or, 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 or laterally. So mm. once, you know, the time had passed, and he's been lucky he's had a couple of international breaks to have extra time to work on it but you see now slowly it's starting to take hold and naturally the players are, are, are just feeling a bit looser you know you I don't know how many people wear belts but 
you know you have a few nights around Christmas and then it's all a bit tight and you lose a bit of weight and then the new year and and then suddenly you just feel a bit freer naturally and I, I think that's what we're seeing at Hiroshima I'm convinced it's going to be uh, enough to see them uh, escape and and you look at the the teams around them so a team like Corfu who is uh, playing a very similar negative uh, style of football to what we're seeing at at uh, Niigata they, you have to think they're in huge trouble I mean they've hardly was it like they went a run of seven or eight games without even scoring, <laughs> and not not even not score. They didn't look like scoring. So, but but again, they have attacking. They have attack minded players in the squad. So I mean, I don't understand. I don't, I just don't understand where where small clubs get sucked into the small club mentality and 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 play the way they do. Yeah, well, I'm just looking now. Yeah, Koffer have scored fourteen goals from their twenty one games. Dear me. That's and what's yeah. what's Nigata? Nigata scored fifteen. There you go. So yeah, there you go. Mm. So next time the next time that pair play each other, prepare yourself <laughs> for a, a minus three all draw. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I think like San Frecce do have the firepower. They do have. Um, they they also brought in Patrick as well to play up front. They've got Anderson Lopez who scored mm. uh, a few goals this year. Masato Kudo who might get the kind of. Yeah, the the liberation bug as well. Um, if uh, so, you think San Frecce will be safe? Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so Niigata, we think are down. I've gone mm. on record as saying that before. You've just said it there. San Frecce will be safe. Um, looking at Consadole Sapporo, I know you are uh, obviously, obviously you you watch the J League a lot and but you also keep an eye across Asia as well. And obviously, uh, Consadoli brought in uh, Chanatip, the the young Thai, Thai midfielder. Um, how do you think he's done so far? I, he hasn't um, like he hasn't played a lot. He hasn't played a lot of games since he's, he's been here. But from what you have seen, um, how, how do you think he's adjusted to the J League? Since he has been here, though, he's played almost every minute of every game. So I think uh, straight away it says how important he is. I, I think he's uh, the most important player at the club, uh, to be frankly. And not only that, I think uh, in in the six to eight weeks that he's been here, I think he's been one of the the most impressive players in the entire league. He, he, he offers something uh, similar, in a way, to, um, to, to to what many of the, the Japanese uh, midfielders of a similar persuasion, uh, the, the creative number 10s, have. But I think he does it to a much uh, superior level. Uh, he's, a, he's a fantastic uh, dribbler of the ball. He's a wonderful uh, passer of the ball. He's, uh, he's good uh, in, in moving and making runs off the ball. And, and it's, it's, it's frankly amazing that he's come in and, and, and just hit the ground running uh, as he has with almost, I mean, obviously he doesn't speak, uh, and not only does he not speak Japanese, he barely speaks English. So he's got uh, cultural issues to deal with, language issues to do with. He's moving for the first time uh, uh, to a new uh, country. He comes from very uh, humble uh, beginnings as well at, at 442. We actually did a, a documentary with him and he told the story of, you know, growing up in a real dirt poor uh, a family where his father was a, a kind of a, a, a street seller of uh, sweets and, and he used to have to bribe Chanatip as a child to, um, uh, to to go and train football, and he'd give him a certain number of sweets every time he did it. And you know, Chanatip told the story he didn't want to play football at all, but he did it just to get these things. And then yeah, the better he get, the more he'd get, and and so on from there. So you you see that that talent has come from a young age, you know, playing and and, and training uh, in those more raw uh, environments. And and he mm. has he has that he has that something that 
that players here that are largely uh, reared in structured uh, environments or or through academy setups uh, maybe don't have and you know the the little bit of street smarts about him as well as only a tiny uh, mm. player of course but but such uh, amazing uh, technique and the yeah the J League and their uh, marketing arm must be loving it because finally after you know they've thrown so many darts they've they've hit on one but there's a lot of uh, players uh, that are very similar uh, to to Tip Tip that opens the door for uh, for some of those to come I mean the two Vietnamese guys that that I know uh, Kung Fong and and Tunan that played uh, in J two last year also fantastic players and and again. Mm. The, there should be some explanation as to as to why they weren't playing when, in my opinion, they were clearly uh, technically better than the than the players that they were playing with. Uh, one of whom uh, might just be pushing fifty. Um, so, so I, I think yeah, his arrival and, and and especially the arrival of Jay, actually the return yes. of Jay, is uh, such a difference maker. I mean, mm. such a tragedy, you know, that that his body uh, hasn't probably been you know cooperating uh, for the last couple of years uh, as he would like. Because I mean, even uh, you know, so he had a very prolific spell in Thailand, uh, moved up and was fantastic in that year at uh, at Jubilo. And, and even, you know, he's been injured or been out of the team since the short time he's been here as well. But you see when he's on the pitch, I mean, he just offers something. He's like he's like, a, he's like the foreign version of Yuma Suzuki in a way, right? I mean, mm. he's, he's just got that, that presence about him, that, that will uh, to score. And you know that any time the ball... It comes near him and and it's not just the thing because he's tall i mean that technically he's an outstanding player you know on the ground as well uh and and you put that alongside a guy like uh kendall kura you have uh chanative in behind uh i i think they're going to survive actually support as long as they continue to to be positive and and play this way and and if you have those kind of players uh, you you should be able to do it because I, I think that's going to be the key. The, the teams that start locking up and trying to play negatively, uh, you may see that with uh, Shimizu, for example, uh, mm. could be, although they've had they've been crushed by a, a whole host of injuries as well. But uh, the teams that are going to look to play uh, football and, and play more positively are going to pick up wins here and there. And 10 matches to go, that'll be the difference probably between going up and going down. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely there. Um, just... I just wanted to go back to uh, China Tip. It's kind of an uh, uh, an off the ball question, but do you think um, the fact that he's gone to Consadole Sapporo, who have had a history of kind of welcoming Southeast Asian players? Of course, they had uh, Lukong Van um, a couple wow. of years ago. They brought in uh, Erfan as well, and Stefano uh, Lilipali. Lilipali, yeah. Yeah. Do you think that Consadole are are doing it right you know they've got kind of um they are they will have support systems in place they will have people who know how yeah. difficult it is to come in from southeast asia to consadole sapporo yeah. it's cold winters and it's and and it's different culture do you think actually whereas consadole sapporo might not be the most fashionable team but they're the probably the best team that china tip could have gone to like personal wise as well yeah that's i've actually thought about it but that's actually a very good uh yeah i mean sound reasoning i mean it's also far far away from i don't know trappings and temptations and, and in a sense you're out of the limelight and you can probably focus a little bit more on uh yeah on just knuckling down and and, and getting about doing what you've needed to do those other three uh, guys that you mentioned all good uh, uh good players but for you know one reason or another it didn't work out uh yeah it has here so well uh, let's hope that um 
that this uh, opens the the minds of other clubs. I mean, that that you don't need to. I've been talking about Channel Tip for years and years and years to anyone mm. that will listen. And and there's so many guys uh, behind him in Southeast Asia. There's a guy now in Myanmar, uh, a young guy called Ong Tu, um, that you would almost never convince a club uh, to sign. But I mean, he's a wonderful player and and would come here at, at easily at J two level and, uh, and and score goals regularly. And there's a, a host of guys in Vietnam. There's a host of guys uh, in Thailand. The Thai players. I'm not just talking about attacking players. I'm talking about defensive players, uh, wingers, uh, fullbacks, uh, uh, goalkeepers. There's so many players in these regions. Of course, the advantage for J League clubs is as the partner nations, they yeah. can sign them visa free. So I mean, you don't yeah. even need. You don't even need to to, 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 to to do anything. It's not costing you a lot of money. Uh, uh, many clubs will agree to let them go, uh, as was the case with the Vietnamese boys last year, uh, on loan to impress. Uh, so yeah, that's just time that the clubs um, really broke out of the you know this safety of dealing. I keep saying the biggest problem in the game is agents because the. They're, they're in it for money. They're not in it for the players. They're not in it for the clubs and, and invest something. I've argued the point before that in nations where this is a problem with agents, that, that it should be centralized, that the league should be involved in it, especially an organization like the, the J-League that has uh, unlimited uh, resources almost, that, that mm. they should send players uh, uh, to Southeast Asia and base them there as scouts. They should send uh, players to South America and base them there as scouts. And they come back uh, with uh, you know 10 uh, reports on players from from all their regions from five six different regions and you've got 60 detailed scouting reports not just uh, uh you know technical uh, reports or tactical uh, adaptability reports but you've got personal reports and you met the player and, was coming, and then the, they're freely available to all clubs that uh, that can you know i don't know how you, you can bid on the players or, or whoever wants to play can be arranged somehow but but you've got these independent uh, mm. scouting reports that allow you to to get the best foreign players because the constant recycling of players, the, the Yotaka thing really makes no sense to me. And it's almost evident that he doesn't want to be there as well. I mean, some of the I mean, the total lack of effort uh, in many games is just lumbering uh, about. I mean, it was the problem, just one final point on on, on Tokyo and the, the loss to Kawasaki uh, in the second leg of the cup. I mean, the last 20 minutes of that game, the players were not moving. They were just standing there, literally, and, and watching Kawasaki pass, which is, uh, to be fair, it's what I would do as well because they do it fairly well. But uh, uh, but it's that kind of stuff that the, the club should be coming to Shinoda and saying, okay, look, thanks for your time. See you later. And we'll be someone in there that can change this kind of thing. But uh, it, it's partly the manager, but it's also partly the, the fault of those foreign players uh, that, that come in, not just to Tokyo, but to, to clubs right across uh, the league where there's uh, such a lack of scouting. I mean, I'm not going to name names, but I'm telling you right now that there's uh, two clubs and two managers that I know for a fact uh, are consistently uh, taking backhanders uh, from agents, uh, in one case uh, from players, uh, and and those uh, uh, managers are taking a cut of every single transfer deal. And and if you look at the clubs uh, perhaps that have had more transfer dealings over the last uh, year or so than others, you can uh, join the dots and, t- and figure out which clubs I'm talking about. And so that kind of stuff needs to be uh, stamped out of the the game as well. Uh, if players are coming here, they should be uh, coming here on merit and, and nothing else. Absolutely. Well, I think we can uh, we can all agree on that. It should absolutely be done on playing skill and and on not on other nefarious reasons. Um, so just to, well, just to wrap up, Scott, because I've probably taken far more of your time than <laughs> originally I planned to, um, just to look at the, the bottom of the table. So I think you alluded to a little bit earlier that the teams that will go out and look for wins are in with the best chance of being safe. 
can I assume from what you're saying there that you think Van Fori Kofu will be in trouble come the I end think of so. the season? Yeah. yeah, I think so. Okay, so if we think that Alberex, Niigata and Van Fori Kofu are going to be in trouble, who do you see joining them? Because, I mean, Sendai on 29 points, I think then what are they, nine points above Olmir at the minute. Olmir are a little bit weird and that they've got some good attacking players, but they just can't seem to kind of get any consistency um, together at the moment. Um, who do you see as potentially... I, going- I, I, I think it's going to be Omia that that will likely join them because they're, they're stuck in that thing. I mean, when they first made their change, they came and, and they looked very good for, for two or three matches and, and played more positively. But since then, uh, it, it, it's, it's really started to wear off and they've changed systems to this kind of 4-1-4-1 where players seem to be being squeezed into things that they're not totally comfortable with. They made a couple of... Uh, the changes in terms of the foreigners uh, that seem to be good players. Uh, Kawe, the defensive mm-hmm. midfielder, and, and Marcelo Toscano did well uh, in his time in Korea. Have come in and, and added a little something, but I just think that uh, across the board they probably lack uh, lack a little bit of the class and 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 maybe also the the experience of the manager to to try and find their way out of things. So yeah, if you put me on the spot, I'm going to say Nigata, Kofu, and Omiya to go down. Oh, okay. Um, <clears throat> just to put my, my thoughts on it, um, I'm actually going to disagree with you. Apologies there, Scott. I actually think um, Shimizu are going to be in some serious trouble come the end of the season. I think they're going to be kind of sucked into it. And, yeah, I kind of fear for them, to be quite honest. Um, it was not a stretch for me to think that Alberex, Corfu and Shimizu Espos will go down this year. I hope not for Barry Valder's sake, but that's... Uh, <laughs> That's what I can see. Uh, that's what I can see happening. Um, yeah, Scott, thanks for that. Um, like I said, I've probably taken up far more of your time than uh, I originally uh, planned to. Um, obviously, most of our listeners all all know you and know of you. But just in case there's some new listeners, where can they find your work and and how can they kind of get in touch with you? Yeah, I'm uh, lurking on Twitter uh, at Macintinos, and uh, I've just uh, actually started uh, with a, a friend of mine down in Australia, Paul Williams. We started a, a podcast uh, looking at Asian football more uh, broadly called The Asian Games. We've done three episodes of that. Uh, we're, we're aiming to try and get one out every uh, couple of weeks. I think next time we're going to take a detailed look at uh, Uzbekistan. So yeah, just uh, probably some of the, the, the lesser known nations uh, across Asia we're trying to shine a little bit of a light on and, and tell some of those stories. Uh, yeah, that's a, it's a really excellent podcast. Uh, you and Paul Williams do a really good job on it. It's really interesting. Okay. I urge everyone to go out and download it and subscribe and whatever. Um, yeah, Scott, thanks ever so much for your time. And um, yeah, hopefully we'll speak to you again soon, okay? No troubles, yeah. And congratulations with, with doing this. It's great to have. I know Ben's been uh, busy with family matters, so it's great to have a, a regular pod back on, on Japanese football. Uh, thank you very much. No problem. Um, with that said, um, hopefully we'll get another episode out to uh, all the listeners next week. But until then, thank you for listening, and we'll speak to you soon. Bye for now.
Uh, yeah, that's a, it's a really excellent podcast. Uh, you and Paul Williams do a really good job on it. It's really interesting. I urge everyone to go out and download it and subscribe and whatever. Um, yeah, Scott, thanks ever so much for your time. And um, yeah, hopefully we'll speak to you again soon, okay? Uh, thank you very much. No problem. Um, with that said, um, hopefully we'll get another episode out to uh, all the listeners next week. But until then, thank you for listening and we'll speak to you soon. Bye for now.